Welcome to the To Read List. I'm Bailey, and this is a podcast where I attempt to get through the 139 unread books on my shelf. With me is my brother, Andrew. Hello. My friend, Toby. Hey. My husband, Dylan, is our sound recordist. Oh, hi. Well, guys, this is a big, momentous day. Very special episode. Mm. Because... We're here to talk about teen pregnancy. No. (laughs) (laughs) No. So today is a very special episode because Andrew is here with us in the studio, our apartment. Our Andrew? (laughs) Our very own Andrew. Yes, I'm here. I'm in Los Angeles. It feels good to actually see you guys when we're talking. Hopefully, I won't interrupt you guys as much from a distance. And even more bonus, we have... (laughs) The composer of our intro song here, Miss Jillian Beth Durkee. Woo! Yay! Bonus, Jillian! Woo! Um, We're really excited to have Jillian here, and we should say that Jillian, you know, is not just a stranger. (laughs) Stranger danger. Stranger danger. Don't let those into your house. She's met Andrew before, I would say. Yeah, no. We have met each other enough to live in the same apartment together and share a life together. Jillian's Andrew's girlfriend. Yeah, no, we are. <laughs> that wasn't clear. We're, we're, we're dead. So, Jillian, how did you come up with the idea for our lovely intro song? Well, uh, I think you had asked me for something simple and lighthearted, but a little weird. That's right. Uh, and so I, I, that's what I tried to do. I, uh, <laughs> I, I wanted to keep it just like very clean and short with a melody that... Uh, that people can remember forever and ever um, <laughs> and never get out of their heads. And then I think I just basically stuck to uh, notes that are literally in the chords that are being played. And then I added one little accidental to make it weird. And that's what I did. Ooh. I don't know what most of that means. Me neither. Yeah, me neither. Music. This is why you're the perfect person to compose it, because you know words like accidentals. That's the only word I know, though. Oh. <laughs> I, uh, I had spent this whole time unaware that uh, a little weird was part of the requirement for the, for the theme song. I think it fits tonally. Well, Bailey's certainly a little weird. Weird. Yeah. So, Jillian, do you have a to-read list as long as we do? Yeah, well, I wouldn't say I have a to-read list as long as Bailey's. Ooh. Wow. And I do not quite as frequently add shame to my list. Wow. Um, shade. Uh, but yeah, I do. I have a very long, extensive to read list. Um, I own a lot of plays that I intend to read. And I think, oh, a play is so short, I could read it in an afternoon. And then afternoon comes and I don't read it. Um, so I've got a lot of those. I, I would estimate maybe uh, 60 to 75. Oh, okay. That's a significant number. I'm surprised at that, but I didn't think about plays. Also, the, I mean, now that we live together, the incorporation of the books is, makes it a little murky as to whether your books that I haven't read are also on my to-read list. When I was reconciling my to-read list like officially for the podcast, I picked the ones that you brought to the table that I was interested in reading. So he judged the ones that he didn't like of yours. <laughs> so and you, was took, like, Hell you took in no. the books that I purchased and and you know decided were good to have, and you said uh, most of these are no's. <laughs> this firm is sounding no, firm no, firm no. <laughs> that makes sense. I did yeah. that with Dylan's books. Oh too. wait, it makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm still very offended. <laughs> so speaking of that, Jillian, are there any books that are that you know of that are on our list that you're excited for us to have to read? Yes, well, I was just looking over your to-read list, um, and uh, I noticed you have some Jane Austens on there. Mm -hmm. I'm currently working my way through 
my first ever Jane Austen book myself, Ooh. Northanger Abbey, mm. um, which I think is a weird one to start with, but I did it. And uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, I'm excited to hear your reviews of, I think it's Northanger Abbey, Pride and Prejudice, and Sense and Sensibility. And Persuasion. And Persuasion. The only, persuasion. The only Austen I've read is Emma, and that is a deep shame of mine, so. Deep oh. shame. The only Austen I've read is Pride and Prejudice. I've never read a Jane Austen book. How do you guys get through high school? Isn't it mandatory? Did you just skip it? We read Jane Eyre instead. Yeah. Oh, mistake. That filled the hole. Not mistake. Jane Eyre, good book. Jane Eyre, good book. Jane Eyre, good book. Jane Eyre, good book. Jane Austen, we'll see. So I'm excited to hear about those. Well, thanks for stopping by, Jillian. No problem. I'm happy to be here. Yay. 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 Now get out. (laughs) 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 All right. So now that it's just us. Thank God. I mean, right. Let's Oof. get down to business. Does anybody have any shame to report? Toby. Toby has shame. Wow. I have shame. Yeah. It's not really. It's not 100 percent shame. I had a birthday, um, and so my wife gave me some books. I got a, um, I think three Terry Pratchett books, um, and they have much cooler covers. They have these like insane, hand painted covers that kind of like show the whole plot of the book, and it's a really cool, weird kind of retro style. So she gave me a couple of those, um, or a few of those, and I'm really excited to read them. Um, and then she gave me um, Karina Longworth's book, uh, Seduction. Ah, uh, yes. I think the subtitle is like Sex, Lies, and Something. In Howard Hughes' Hollywood. Yes, Sex, Lies, and Something in Howard Hughes' Howard Hughes's Hollywood. Um, I'm a big fan of um, her podcast, You Must Remember This, not to name drop a much more popular podcast. I'm really looking forward to reading that book. Anyone I- else have any shame? Because I don't have any shame. So Very nice. And if Toby's already announced his... I guess that brings us to Bailey. Oh, well, I mean, we have an Astillan. Do I have shame? Is that something that he does? I don't have shame. I'm just, I'm just trying to deflect. Don't throw me under this bus. <laughs> this is on you, Bill. <laughs> you designed this. Any shame? So I do have some shame. Um, Dylan and I went on a trip to Tucson, Arizona for a wedding, and we stopped by a bookstore called Antigone Books, and they had an edition of Little Women that I've been looking for for a while. And it's very beautiful. And I haven't read it before, actually, even though I've seen almost every adaptation of it. So one thing I learned about it, if you look at it on the shelf, it's a big book. Yeah, I had a different idea of how long that book was, because I think mom has a copy of it at home that must just be printed with tiny, tiny font because it seems much thinner. This one could have big font. I don't know. But it is pretty thick. With two C's. Two C's. I do want to say one more thing before we get into the reviews today. Oh, why? I think you guys already know this, but I wanted to share with our podcast listeners that I reorganized my bookshelf the other day. Oh. Bailey's eyebrows are in her hair right now. It was a really big day. I actually Googled ways to organize bookshelf because I thought I should do something creative. And then I did something that I should have done from the beginning, which is I separated the to read list from the rest of the list. Mm. And the regular list is alphabetical by author. That takes up three bookshelves. Then there's a fourth bookshelf, which is the entire to-read list. So I have an entire shelf of books to read. Readers, in case you were driving, I hope you didn't crash your car into the median, or if you're in the street, you didn't collapse. It actually was really helpful, though, because I think it's going to help with my shame, because I literally can think of the number of books. I can see them all together. Yeah, is it not a little bit stressful? <laughs> it's very stressful. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah. I think it's uh, it's a good choice. All right, great. So this week on the to read list, Toby 
has a book to review. Toby, what book did you pick? Uh, well, it was picked for me, Bailey. That's how the podcast works. By Dylan in the Choosing, do you remember? Where am I? <laughs> <laughs> Bailey's collapsed on the floor. Um, I had the book uh, The Radium Girls by Kate Moore. Are you going to give it a glowing review? Oh, wow. Get them all out now, guys. Get them before all out you, I, I've heard that it's not necessarily something I should joke about, so I want to get them out before I know, <laughs> for sure. Um, all right. I'm excited to watch what you do. So, so <laughs> what oh, is... Fun. Yeah, that one's more appropriate to the book. What is The Radium Girls about? The Radium Girls is um, tied for the most depressing book I've read all year with Blonde in a different way. Mm-hmm. So Radium, the element... Um, was kind of discovered and, and kind of had a property to it that it glowed mm-hmm. um, and was more or less deemed, quote unquote, safe for use um, in ways that we now know today to be wildly inappropriate. Um, and it basically was not understood to be as incredibly dangerous and destructive as it is today. Um, so there were lots of young women, um, typically from poor communities, who were employed in factory settings to mix paint with radium um, to make luminous paint and a lot of what they did was um, painting watch faces so that they would shine i get andrew's joke now yeah that's a good one have you read this book no but i've listened to several sort of long-form podcasts on the subject so it's about the girls who put the radium in the paint uh so yeah their job was to mix radium powder um with like kind of just a normal white paint and paint on the dials uh this meant they were working with powdered radium and they had a particularly bad habit or a bad technique which was called lip pointing um so the brushes they used were very fine very detailed and they were working on these little teensy tiny watch faces and to get the level of detail they needed they would um dip the brush tip into the paint and then point it by putting it in their mouths and then do the fine detail work oh no so yeah as modern audiences it's very cringy it's very um insane to hear that kind of thing and a lot of the conflict and interest of the book comes from the fact that the radium dial company that employed a lot of these women and various other companies pretended that nothing was wrong with these women even as they sickened and died i mean a great percentage almost you know everybody who worked there for a certain amount of time became incredibly sick um, and I'll get to that in a second, but that's the, where the real bummer of the book comes. But um, it starts off with a bang. Um, it's really interesting. It, it's like one of those things when you're reading about historical books where you're like, wow, I can't believe things were so wacky in 1917. Like they were, mm-hmm. radium was touted as kind of a health tonic, like a health, a healthy thing. They used to sell, <laughs> I can't believe this, used to sell glasses that were painted with radium paint on the inside, and you were supposed to fill them with water eight times a day you'd fill it with water leave it there for half an hour and then drink the water and that was like make you healthy so there was things like that it was it was kind of like a somewhat snake oil somewhat not um there was a side effect um so radium poisoning um, doesn't become apparent um for many years but what's immediately apparent is that once you um, ingest radium or you have the effects of it on you your red blood cell count goes up because your body is basically freaking out but If you are just measuring it and you want to tell people that radium is good and you should buy it, you say, hey, it makes your blood great. And that's kind of what people were touting at the beginning of the century. You know what makes you healthy? More blood. (laughs) (laughs) Don't have enough blood? Um, Andrew just learned recently that some of the glasses that my mom has around the house are, what did you say? They're lead and crystal. Because she has this display case that has these really fancy-looking glasses. And I'm like, why do we never use these? They're so cool. (laughs) She's like, oh, those are poison. (laughs) (laughs) They're covered in lead. Yeah, so imagine those, but worse. And then that that was this whole industry. Got it. Um, Phenomenal. um, Oh, yes, she mentions that there were radium jock straps that you could buy. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) Um, 
so that's the kind of like environment that this book starts in is radium is fun and it makes you healthy and there's nothing absolutely at all wrong with it so these women um the she goes into a lot of interesting detail about how intensely they worked with radium to the point where the radium powder was very very fine and it would kind of get in the air and there's points where the women would be working in the factory all day and then they would go into a dark room to check the dials that they had painted to make sure that it was all accurate to see mm-hmm. if it glowed correctly and the women themselves would glow oh. or at factories where it was more lax the women were kind of allowed to play with the radium and they would kind of like paint it on their eyebrows or like give each other like little scary faces in the dark they would some women would like have a date that night and so they would kind of dust themselves with radium and then they would go out on the town and be like glowing oh gosh this is like i don't know if you guys ever like broke a thermometer and played with the mercury inside no but it's no (laughs) i never did this did you hold out on me (laughs) well it's like that but it, I Bailey, did you break a thermometer and play with the mercury when you were I, I know people that did that. I didn't Are you do a that. child from Victoria and England? <laughs> but we did have a mercury thermometer that I remember it breaking and my mom being like, don't move. I'm just trying to think of like a modern day equivalent, but it feels like yeah. it's almost there impossible because yeah. this is just crazy town. It, it is. That's the good part of the book is this kind of incredible story of like, you know, what these women were, I don't want to say allowed to, but they were, you know, they were sanctioned by their company by mm-hmm. their bosses their bosses told him it's fine go ahead yeah paint it on your forehead you know do whatever it's totally harmless you're all good and so that's the beginning of the book and it's quite intriguing and there's a lot of interesting facts and i will say her research throughout seems to have been incredibly detailed and exhaustive what quickly begins to happen is these women especially the ones who are lip pointing um develop horrific symptoms like really really awful stuff um so the way that radium poisoning works is that radium has a similar chemical makeup to calcium. And when you ingest calcium, it, it sort of naturally finds its way toward, towards your bones and also your body wants to deliver it to your bones. It says, oh, calcium, great, it's good for my bones. I'll send it right there. So radium did the same thing. These women would ingest radium and the body would deliver it into their bones. I have a feeling we're going to want to say, listeners, if you don't want to hear about this, maybe skip ahead a few minutes. Yes, it's okay. only going to get worse. Okay. Um, I'm not. Wow. Going, I'm not going to be too graphic, but the the book is very graphic. Um, these women suffer incredibly, like long, protracted. It starts with like teeth falling out, and then women's jaws become basically they kind of dissolve in their mouth. There's stories mm. of women like poking around to see if their teeth are okay and breaking their jaw and pieces of their own jaw coming out. You know, it's kind of random what part of the body it goes into. So in some women, it kind of went into their legs and spine. And so there's women breaking their backs for no reason because their spines become very brittle. There's women whose legs become inches shorter because they break them over and over again just walking down the street. You know, all the women become anemic and kind of waste away. And they're all women who started working in these factories when they're probably like 17, 18. So they probably, they all die in like their mid to late 20s. Do any of them have kids? Does it affect their kids? Yep. There's lots of uh, stories of miscarriages. There's stories of children born, you know, being affected by this radium poisoning. That was, so that's, that's my thing about this book is in the first like quarter to third, you get basically what I would consider a full story. You get the background of radium. You get like this story of why the radium poisoning happened, and then you get this horrific story of these women who were poisoned and die, and then you get like kind of a legal battle um, that goes back and forth, and you figure out like a lawyer who was willing to fight for them, and he pushed through some legislation, and it didn't quite work. 
but then this is my problem with the book is that cycle repeats itself like two or three times hmm. so i can see what she was trying to do she was trying to show that tell the story of all the radium girls all these women who worked in here and and eventually the legal battles proceed again and again and again and kind of push forward these regulations and eventually they do kind of quote unquote win they get settlements for the women help pay for their medical costs which are staggering but it just takes so long and there's so many stories of like horrific suffering so you feel awful and there's so much awful awful stuff in here but in the same way, because she talks about so many women, you never really get to zero in on one or two and feel like you connect with them. Um, she finds uh, like diaries and personal records of these women, and it's really amazing to hear that stuff. But it's never, it's never enough. It's never enough to really connect. I really would have preferred. I hear there's a play hmm. about this um, topic, and the play is supposed to be quite good. And I think the play focuses on like two or three women, mm -hmm. and that sounds like something that I would have preferred to hear. And Andrew, you mentioned that you heard some long form podcasts. I found myself thinking this quite long book would have been a great hour-long podcast. Yeah, that's about the length of the ones I was listening to. <laughs> yeah. That sounds fair, especially, and you said you were listening to it on Audible, right? It seems yes. like just like an assault. Just it's just like, do I want to listen to this right now? No. No. Um, and I will say the, the writing style um, was fine for me. It was quite journalistic, I found. You know, she didn't want to guess at anyone's feelings or any stuff like that. It's all based on the, the record. Um, but to me, um, it could come off as a little dry. I don't know. It wasn't my flavor. Gotcha. I was going to ask, because nonfiction can go either way in terms of balancing facts and inter an interesting story with like interesting written prose. And you, this seems to have fallen more on the sort of list of facts side of things. Absolutely. Yeah. I wouldn't say. Yeah. Well, that's too bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry to bring everybody down. So based on your review i'm curious why did you put it on the to read list uh i like nonfiction. it sounded like an interesting story to me it's weird this has a really good rating on goodreads um i think people really like it it kind of blew up i just kind of i don't know how i heard of it it's just one of those ones you hear of mm -hmm. um and i i don't know i feel like this story is amazing and that's why people like it I feel like maybe someone could do it more justice. I totally get that. I get that with nonfiction all the time, that people recommend books to me, that the story is interesting, but it's not well written. And for me, it has to be both. Like, yeah. Otherwise, I would rather, like, honestly read the Wikipedia article. I kept thinking Stiff. podcast. I kept thinking podcast. Yeah. I was like, if someone had an hour to tell this story, they would cut it all down, and they would keep in the interesting stuff, and they would give me, like, one woman's story that, like, typified everybody's story, and I would be, like, really connected to her. That's what I kept thinking. Yeah. So then what what uh what are you rating it? How many stars? Oh, I'm debating. I'm debating in my mind. Even right now. Yeah. I have a personal rating. See, for me, Goodreads ratings are intensely personal. It's it's not like if I was like a book critic, mm -hmm. I cert I would maybe go a different way. I think I'm gonna give it two stars. Oh wow. Whoa. And that's that's reflecting the fact that I struggled to get through it. I mean, and it to be 100% honest, if I wasn't reading it for this podcast, I would not have finished this book. Wow. Certainly not. If you were as you said like a a book reviewer, which way would you have gone? I think I'd give it 3 stars. You would have gone up. Yeah. Okay. I was okay. just curious if it was Oh yeah. <laughs> Wanted to make not, sure. Yeah, I'm not nicer. Um, <laughs> no, I think and because I do and I will say like I respect the research. I respect it because the research seems incredible, very, very well done and the book is uh, adequately written and yeah. 
adequately written. I know. No, 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 no. The uh, coldest review. I know. It, it doesn't feel good, does it, to like it to, to feel, not like books? Yeah, I'm not the person this. that likes to be like the one negative review. Like yeah. I want to I want to like it. Yeah. That it does sound like a bear. Um so Andrew, do you have any facts? I do. I will say there's not as much on Kate Moore as, you know, some of some people like Mark Twain or <laughs> Joyce Carol Oates. Or, she's relatively new on the scene, but here's what I found. So she was born in Northampton, England and grew up in Peterborough. She has sort of an eclectic background. Um, one of her major interests is acting and directing in plays. And this is actually sort of how she found the story, as uh, Toby brought up. She was looking for a play that would be a great conduit for some of the female actors she wanted to work with. Uh, she Google searched, and I quote, great plays for women. She found the play These Shining Lives by Melanie Marnich. Might be Marnick. Um and she started reading it, and in reading it, she became really interested in the story and uh, began researching at first just as a way of being able to direct the play. And she found while doing that that there wasn't a single source dedicated to the women. There was a lot about radium in general, a lot about the time, or about just like the factories, but not about the actual women, which is why she wanted to write this book. Um, she does mention that um, in an afterword in the book. It's quite interesting. About the play? Yeah, about the play and about, yeah, about the fact that she, I actually, I don't want to throw more shade at her, but <laughs> but I, I thought it was interesting. Her afterward said that same thing. It was like, oh, I wanted to write something that focused on the lives of the women because other treatments of this story have focused on the science or, you know, other things. And I was like, well, I wish you had focused more on the lives of the women. Like they, they do appear, they are a focus of this book, but I wanted more detail on fewer of them rather than... Yeah. Gotcha. So she maybe suffered from going for too many of them? Yeah, I gotcha. think so. Uh, and a quote I found in an interview with her, she said, these women didn't have a book that was about them. And of course, I'd fallen in love with them. And that was sort of her driving force to going into this book. Uh, she is a lives in London now. She's a writer. Um, this was sort of her first book that really blew up, it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has a very sort of eclectic um, bibliography which is pretty cool. Some of the other books she's written um, are Felix the Railway Cat, um, (laughs) which is a story about the um, senior pest controller of the Huddersfield Railroad Station in uh, Yorkshire. Is this a true story? Yes, this is a a a story story. of the community and its relationship with this uh, cat who lives in the railroad station whose job it is to make sure that there's uh, fewer rats and mice and I will tell you, Bailey, I've seen the cover of this book, and it's a cat wearing a train conductor's cap. Okay, why? (laughs) You don't have to sell me anymore. Uh, She has a few other things that she's written. The other one of which that really stood out was Scone with the Wind. Remember, she's British, so she pronounces what we would pronounce Scone, Scone. Oh, good catch. Which is a puntastic gift book, and puntastic gift book is the name that she, how she advertises it, Uh um, which is a recipe book where all the recipes are puns on the titles of books. So honestly, she seems like someone we would really get along with. Yeah. To say, like, Except now that Toby's trashed her, I'm she'll never come on our podcast. Her. Do you guys no. want to re-record this whole thing and give it a good review so we can get her off? <laughs> Kate Moore, I respect the work you did. I, I think that I, Andrew would really like that. Andrew likes to cook. He could Yeah, like I like cooking. I like plays i like cats you like puns i like puns read radio if you want to read it you should read it <laughs> honestly you haven't quite dissuaded me from re- from checking okay. it out yet um, i'm interested enough in the subject that i'd like to learn a little more i just maybe we'll get through a few more books first well yeah. this is you know amy poehler says good for you not for me mm. maybe it's good for other people and not for you 
I, I, based on the Goodreads score, it's good for a lot of people, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, The Radium Girls by Kate Moore, two stars. Oh, reluctantly. Reluctantly, yeah. Sorry about it. Um, so this week, I had a book off my shelf called Everything is Illuminated by Jonathan Saffron Foyer. Really? <laughs> Jonathan Saffron Fowler. He's made it very clear he doesn't like Foyer as his last name. <laughs> the <laughs> grin on your face. <laughs> so, for those of you who don't know, um, this book was written by Jonathan Saffron Fowler when he was 25. And one of the reasons why I wanted to add it to the shelf, and I think one of the reasons why a lot of people read it um, and loved it, is because the New York Times and a few other places gave it this amazing, glowing review. And it was like, this is a book written by a wonderkind. This guy is just out of Princeton, and he's publishing his book about his life, and it's incredible. It's about a character named Jonathan Saffron Foer, who goes to Ukraine to look up the woman who saved his grandfather from the Nazis. And that storyline is actually told by another character whose name is Alex, and he's Ukrainian, and he has a very thick accent, and he doesn't speak English well, as he would say. He's not very premium with it. So that's one section of the book. The other section is Jonathan Saffron Fowler's imagined history of the town of Trackenbrode, which is the town he's going to visit. So it alternates between the two, and the two authors, quote-unquote, Alex and Jonathan send each other their writing and they comment on each other's writing. Sounds straightforward. You'd think it'd be straightforward. Straightforward. Thank you. Oh, good one. (laughs) This book is, like I said, really well-beloved. People on Goodreads really love it. And my review is might be going to be similar to Toby's in that I didn't love it like other people did. Uh Uh-oh. Oh. This is maybe our first podcast where we've had two... Not so enthusiastic Not so reviews, yeah. Mm. But let's start with the good. Yeah. Okay. That is the tone of someone who has so little good to talk about. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think this is. I don't think this is fair. I like. Dylan loves this book. Okay. Middle school. Dylan loves this book. Yeah, so Dylan not... loves this book. He hasn't matured since middle so... school. Continue. I really liked the parts that were written by Alex quote-unquote, parts that are in this, like, sort of stilted English that has a lot of humor and energy to it. So I'm going to give you a section of that. All right, all right. This is on page 65. Good page. This is a conversation between Alex, his grandfather, who's also going on the trip with them, and Jonathan Saffron Foer. Jonathan says, I'm a vegetarian. I do not understand. I don't eat meat. Why not? I just don't. How can you not eat meat? I just don't. He does not eat meat, I told Grandfather. Yes, he does, he informed me. Yes, you do, I likewise informed the hero. No, I don't. Why not, I inquired him again. I just don't. No meat. Pork? No. Meat? No meat. (laughs) Steak? Nope. Chickens? No. Do you eat veal? Oh God, absolutely no veal. What about sausage? No sausage either. I told Grandfather this, and he presented me a very bothered look. What is wrong with him, he asked. What is wrong with you, I asked him. (laughs) Nice. So you get the sense of both the humor and the voice and the cultural differences that lead to funny times. I like this book. I think you're wrong, Bailey. That sounds great. So so I was into that. I love that part. I also really, there's, I really love the character of Alex, who presents himself from the first page as somebody that you can really picture. Like, he's the walk of the walk, talk of the walk. How do you say that? Cock of the walk. Oh, he's the cock of the walk. Anyway, loved Alex. Apparently a phrase that me and Andrew are very familiar with. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Uh, Cock cock of the walk. It's a a cock of the walk. He also, um, 
travels around with his grandfather who believes that he is blind, but he's not blind and he's the driver. And he has a, uh, the grandfather has a dog that he goes around with who he pretends is his seeing eye dog named Sammy Davis Jr. Jr., who is, as Alex says, a little deranged. Sounds like Alex is great, and she's very specifically only brought Alex to the table right now. Yes. Okay. And okay. there's self-deprecating humor in that Alex critiques Jonathan Safran Foer and his writing. And so he calls him out on being pretentious or being whatever, being confusing. So that's the good. The bad is the parts written by Jonathan Safran Foer, which are the imagined history, magical realist history of Track and Broad. It is, to me, not what he wants it to be, not magical, not beautiful, just very pretentious. Like, I don't understand what's happening. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It's a lot of this person fell in a river and like a baby was born and just rose to the top of the river. And this one man, his grandfather has a dead arm, which makes him incredibly attractive to women. So he has sexual relations with hundreds of women. And I just don't understand. It just feels like, guys, look how pretentious I am. Look at the crazy ideas I can come up with. Jonathan, if you're listening, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry. You know what? He needs to be taken down a peg. And that's what, why I'm saying this. Jonathan, uh, please don't talk about this to Kate Moore. So this, is, so this is conversely an example of the other side. But this is a good example, but you can just get the hint. It's about um, this man, Yankel, and how he pretends to have a wife. Page 48. It was inevitable. Yankel fell in love with his never wife. He would wake from sleep to miss the weight that never depressed the bed next to him, remember in earnest the weight of gestures she never made, long for the unweight of her unarmed slung over his two-reeled chest, making his widower's remembrances that much more that much more convincing and his pain that much more real. He felt that he had lost her. He had lost her. At night, he would reread the letters that she had never written him. So that's a good example. I liked that part, but you can get... The difference is in tone. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Bailey, you, Bailey you can let go of Andrew's shirt right now. <laughs> Do you see? I haven't read this book. I have no horse in this race. <laughs> yeah. It was one of those things where the chapter would switch, and I would be like, no, I don't yeah. want the other perspective. Just keep it in Alex's corner. And that ultimately made me dislike the book overall. I have hmm. to be honest. I have yeah. to be honest. Like, it was hard for me to get through those sections. Interestingly, in the adaptation, they've cut out all the historical stuff. So it's all in the present. It's all the good stuff. They change a few things in the movie that I don't necessarily agree with. One thing that I do like about the book is that these are not characters who are all good or bad. Basically, they say, like, I'm not a bad person, but I lived in a bad time. That kind of idea. In the movie, it's more like people are good or they're bad. Hmm. Kind of like Toby. I was realizing that when I have like a two and a half star book, I almost always round up. And this time, I feel like I want to round down. Oh, oh wow. So I am also going to give this a two star. With that said, I know that this is going to be controversial because a lot of people give this five star. But yeah. for me, two star. Dang. Well, I'm somehow I feel better about my two star now that you're joining me down here in the <laughs> yeah. gutter. Listeners, we promise next week, no matter what, both books will be five stars. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. I think I might have given an Exit West five stars when I read it. I think also my knowledge of him as a person and as an author is influencing my my interpretation of the book. And I don't know if that's fair. Hmm. But, I, but I think a lot of that is because he is a character. I'm picturing him and I'm getting angry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Andrew, what facts do you have on my friend Jonathan Saffron Foer? Other than the pre-told story of the time he spoke at my college and someone made a joke about his last name sounding like foyer and he got very upset. 
I have yeah, some other yeah, ones. I guess I just don't. He doesn't seem to have a lot of humor about himself, or he doesn't. He seems to take himself really seriously, he which wrote. is weird because in this book he's making fun of himself. But it I, feels like I think after that might have been why the guy thought it was fine to try to make that joke at, Maybe, the, yeah. at, at the thing. Okay, but we've already told that story, so yeah. no worries. So Jonathan Safran Foer was born in 1977 uh, in the Washington D.C. area. Grew up there and then attended Princeton. His freshman year, sort of randomly, he ended up taking a creative writing course with our old buddy Joyce Carol Oates. Ooh. Yeah. Mm. Who uh, took him aside during the class and said his writing had a lot of energy and took a personal interest in his writing. Um, She ended up being the advisor for his senior thesis, um, which was the beginning of uh, Everything is Illuminated. It seems like it was mostly the section you described as being the historical because Mm. it was an examination of his maternal grandfather, Louis Safran. It was the base that Everything Was Illuminated was built upon when after college he took a trip to Ukraine to try to find the the woman who saved his grandfather's that, life. That sounds right based yeah. on the book, yeah. And I should say that while this sounds very autobiographical, the trip is very different than what happened to him. It's an imagined version of what could have happened. So is Alex a real person? Do you know? I don't know the answer to that. I don't think so. The, I, the only quote I found about it was that he just didn't really, wasn't able to track anything down. Got it. And so he created this other version okay that is interesting because i mean i don't know if this is a spoiler but in the book there is a conclusion hence everything is illuminated like it's all like a prelude to illumination and illumination so there Hmm. is an answer just a quick quote um from jonathan about uh joyce carol oates she was the first person to ever make me think i should try to write in any sort of serious way and life has really changed after that it seems like a kind of crazy like coincidence that they happen to find each other and kind of a cool thing that that set him on this path can you imagine how cool that would be if she was your teacher and you already really want to impress her and then she's like hey hey i gotta talk to you yeah and this was pretty significantly into her literary career at this point he's not very old like she had very much established herself by this point that would be pretty cool yeah he after college attended medical school briefly uh and then ended up dropping out to pursue a writing career which there should be doctors in the world, but I think he made the right choice based on the success of his novel sure. almost immediately after. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, upon its release, it did receive mostly wildly positive acclaim um, and won several awards. Uh, he has gone on to publish several books since um, Everything is Limited, obviously, as it was his debut, including uh, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, um, a nonfiction book called Eating Animals, which examines ramifications of the way we eat in terms of specifically industrial and factory farming, which was the book he was talking about at the aforementioned lecture. And then also a book, Tree of Codes, which was an experimental art book, is how he describes it. And then also more recently in 2016, Here I Am. Which is also on my list. Which is also on Bailey's list. His brother, Joshua, uh, is the guy who created uh, Atlas Obscura, which oh. is a pretty cool... Yeah. Travel empire. <laughs> Good facts. Good facts, Andrew. <laughs> okay, facts, Andrew. <laughs> so, again, everything is illuminated by Jonathan Saffron Foer. For me, it is a two-star, but as Toby said, you know, if you're interested in it, if you like those quotes, you could read it. Maybe you'll love it. Most people love it. For me, two stars. Good for you, not for me. And are you keeping it on your shelf? I, well, it's technically Dylan's book. Please are you going it. to take Dylan's book and throw it away? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think... Donate I, it for him. I think I would keep it even if it were just my book. I'm going to keep it because I really did like the Alex stuff. And there's some quotes in there that I might revisit. All right, so Andrew, do you have a game for us? Um, So this game is called Thanks for the Scones. And the reason (laughs) it's called Thanks for the Scones is because I found this game by looking through the table of contents of Scone with the Wind, uh, another one of Kate Moore's books. Ah, I love it. And I used the the information there. 
just full disclosure, I was not able to read the actual book. I could only I could only get through, scroll through the table of contents. So if anything I say sort of bites or takes from jokes that Kate Moore makes, it's unintentional. As I mentioned earlier, um, Scone with the Wind is a recipe book that goes that uses literary puns, and each section is a or each recipe is a title of a book with a baking pun. Here's how this game is going to work. I'm going to read a sentence or a statement um, that should lead you to the pun she used. Okay. Mm-hmm. All of these are mostly uh, like a imagined plot. Okay. Okay. And you need to guess uh, what the pun she made is. So the title of the book with the pun. Is that clear? Yes. Yeah. We are testing how funny and clever we are in front of a listening audience. I love Fantastic. It. It's going to be great. Are, are we doing Jeopardy rules or are we. I'm going to have you buzz in, yes. Okay. Um, it's going to be first to three. Um, I have five total, so someone's going to win. <laughs> are, we buzz, are, buzz- we, so yes. yeah, are we buzzing in with. You're going to buzz in by saying, scones, please. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yosarian covers himself in espresso and coffee liqueur, mascarpone cheese, and cocoa dust. Scones, please. Catch tiramisu. That's correct. Ooh, nice. Very well done, Bailey. One point for her. I knew the book. I wasn't anywhere close to the dessert. Victory dance. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bilbo and buttermilk. Oh, um, scones, please. Yes, Bailey. Ha biscuits. That's correct. Oh, I was thinking, I was like, Lord of the... (laughs) To be fair, Bilbo does appear in multiple sources, so Mm -hmm. understandable way you had confusion. Oh, okay. Mark Twain goes down the river with his jiggly custard dessert. Oh, um, oh, okay. Scones, Huck Flan. The, the answer oh. is actually the adventures of Huckleberry Flan, but yes. Oh, okay. I was going to say like Huckleberry Pie, so that's better. Yeah. All right. So the score is two to one. Bailey can win with one more correct answer, but Toby's hot on her heels. All right. A Bronte novel stuffed with creme pat and topped with chocolate. Creme pat. Creme pat is the filling of many French pastries. It's that sort of... Uh, oh, oh. I think Bailey might have it. Uh, scones, please. Bailey? Jane Eclair. That's correct. Ooh, very nice. Yeah. Uh, I was not even close. <laughs> Congratulations, Bailey. What's the last one? What's the last one? Oh, the last one. Okay. This is the one I was most proud of, which is why I was saving it for last. Okay. But, um, a childhood toy afflicted with scarlet food coloring. Oh, I got it. Bailey. Red Velveteen Rabbit. That's correct. Oh, dang. I kept... Yep. There's some solid... I want to pick up this book. I actually think I'm going to order it when we leave this room. It's yeah. hungry. It's pretty, pretty good. Yeah. I love that game. That was a really good game. Although I did win, but... I mean, yeah, no, no, no. That was a really good game. Yeah. Thanks, Kate Moore, for the great Yeah, answers. thank you, Kate yeah. Moore. <laughs> I appreciate you. All right. Well, now it's the time in the podcast where a book is chosen at random from our shelves for us to read. It is The Choosening. The Choosening. The Choosening. Again, these are chosen through a random number generator. It's entirely random. Entirely random. I'm Unless nervous. I decide to take it. That's true. You can. Uh, so we're starting with Toby. Hey, that's me. Uh, Toby got number 20, The Fellowship of the Ring by J.R.R. Tolkien. I can't hey. believe that you haven't read this, Toby. It seems like so. I think you're going to have fun with this. I know. I'm excited. I, it's just one of those ones. Well, that Dylan you... has framed it as this huge punishment. I feel like it's just... No. Ex- uh, no, I'm excited. Dylan is, I, I, is sharpening a knife and staring at Toby right now. I didn't love this book. 
Oh. But we'll talk about it next time. Yeah, I read it when I was quite young. But I remember enjoying it just fine. I bet I would like it more now because I can understand yeah. it. Better. You can borrow my copy if you don't have it. I have it. This is actually oh. one of the few uh, physical books on my shelf. Oh, there you go. So nice. there you go. I'm excited. Okay. This is a good one. And then for Bailey, uh-huh. which was Random Number Generator. The number, more you say it. Is it going to be the other Jonathan Saffron? The more book? you say number it. Number six. Pause. No. Go forward. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually really interested because... Well, you, I didn't realize that they're all titled so, so alphabetical. So this is going to be earlier in the alphabet. Yep. Okay. It begins with an A. Anna Karenina by Leo Tolstoy. Oh, <laughs> oh wowzers. I was waiting for someone to save you. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that's quite long. Oh, my gosh. Oh, but no. <laughs> listeners, who, listeners who aren't here and where we're recording, Bailey has put both of her fa- hands on her face. Like the home alone And will not move them. Like she's crying aftershave for the first time. I, I am, okay. This is, again, you know, I have to read it. I've saved it for all these years. I bought my copy in 2011. It's time. Yeah. I mean, this is the, the purpose of the podcast. Yeah. yeah, I did try reading it in 2009. And I abandoned it, but I thought maybe I have the wrong translation, so I got a new translation. So we'll see. I got to get reading right away, though. Long book. That's a long book. That's a big book. Here we go. What if I give one star to Anna Karenina? Leo Tolstoy will come here and punch you. (laughs) Leo Tolstoy, if you are listening to this, we are so sorry. And how did you get back? (laughs) So in two weeks... We will have Exit West by Mohsen Hamid and Anna Karenina by Leo Tolstoy. Heck yeah. <laughs> and then two weeks later, we'll have the, Some Hobbits, The Fellowship of the Ring. Thanks for listening to The To Read List. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can email the to read list podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Goodreads at goodreads.com slash the to read list podcast. We're on Facebook and Instagram at the to read list podcast and on Twitter at to read list pod. If you enjoyed the podcast, go into the iTunes store and leaving us a five-star review. Um, it goes a long way to making us more visible across the platform and also makes us feel good to see. That's what it's really about. Yeah, and then um, another great thing you can do um, if you enjoy the podcast um, is just to tell a friend. If you know anybody who enjoys books and reading and, and just, you know, book culture, um, yeah, tell them. Um, they might want to check us out. Then they can give us a five-star review and it all starts over again. And then... Except Kate Moore. Don't tell her. <laughs> I mean, now I feel like I want to talk to her, like face to face. Thanks to Toby and Andrew for co-hosting the podcast with me, to Dylan for sound recording, and to Miss Jillian Beth Durkee for recording our intro song and for stopping by today. See you in two weeks. Happy reading. All right. Wait, wait, wait. We were all in the same room, so we should be able to do this. Books, books, books. 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 Nailed it.